Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? 86 days till the start of fall camp. 86 it's almost days. like I'm, the I'm mystical start of camp, bro. Yeah, it is. It's it's it's. it's because here's the thing that's that's pretty exciting. Even though we're doing this countdown, we do it on our website, Crimson Country Club. And I just wrote this morning, 86, Carl Tucker. And it was fun to write that one up because I had to do a little research because I wanted to know as much as I could about Carl Tucker's time at North Carolina and in recruiting. So I, so I looked up all that stuff. So that was kind of fun. But, you know, here's the thing about the countdown this year. As we know, if there is a season this fall, if they're going to do this, the coaches have told the NCA, which has agreed that we can't just have a normal camp. We didn't have spring practice. We're not going to have summer conditioning. We, we can't just do fall camp in four weeks. There has to be a conditioning period, and, and camp has to be longer. So actually, if they do this, fall camp is likely to start two weeks earlier than that. So really, we're more like 72 days away from camp if there is a season, which is kind of like, wow, it's closer than you think if it actually, if any of it happens. Yes, that's, that is true. And um, speaking of things you need conditioning for, you need to condition your body and your nutritional system, and you need to check out Built Bar for that. I'm not I'll kidding. I just had a Built Bar. I'm considering it my lunch. I will also have lunch, but I'm considering this my lunch for now um in a few hours i probably will eat some chicken fingers because i love chicken fingers but um this built bar has satiated my hunger for now for sure it is delicious they are great we got a whole big box full of samples of them both of us did and they've come in all these unbelievable flavors like coconut almond and mint and orange and i mean just, and they're like a chocolate bar but they've got these funky flavors inside of them and they're all good um you know so many times you have this nutritional stuff and they're like on the commercial they're like it tastes great and then you realize the actor that said tastes great should probably win some kind of emmy for faking the fact that it tastes like tastes good when it tastes like total shit because these built bars <laughs> taste good. You don't have, you could get anybody and give it to them and they'd be like, Oh my God, this is fantastic. And you're like, how many, okay. How many calories is it? Well, it's fewer calories in the Snickers It's fewer, uh, fewer carbs than most of your carb free junk. I mean, it's everything that you want is good. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So check it out. Built bar, go to builtbar.com. Also <clears throat> our buddies over at Nico sports, NIKCO sports, They've got that Tua Tungavailoa football we've talked about uh, for a long time, and it's $99. Part of the proceeds go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Alabama. Go to Nico Sports, N-I-K-C-O-Sports.com. Go check them out. You want this Tua Tungavailoa football? Everything Tua touches right now is turning to gold. This is going to turn to gold, too. That's just how this works. Tua is going to be – I'm going to – I don't know. Maybe I'm going out on a limb, the greatest quarterback in the history of mankind. But I'm going to do it. I'm doing it right here on this I show. Don't doubt it. I, have, I have zero consequences if I'm wrong. So why not? And so Tua Tungabailoa football, $99, it fully embossed, got all his accolades and awards and achievements on there. Go check it out. Nico Sports, N-I-K-C-O Sports.com. Jimmy, <clears throat> since we're talking about actually football starting up, 
the first game Alabama would have would be against the Southern California Trojans. And just yesterday, just when I was really beginning to feel like, you know what, it feels like some things are getting a little better around here. You know, more people are showing up to work. I mean, there are people whistling again. I don't, I don't know why they quit whistling. But uh, And everybody seems to have a little pep in their step. And then I get uh, I watch the news, and California State, which is the largest university system in California, has decided we're not going to have classes again until 2021 which I feel like should be a harbinger of doom for the California schools. Cause if California state's not going to do shit, you have to think that the USC's and the UCLA's and the Cal Berkeley's, they're not going to do shit either. I'm not saying this hundred percent, but why this is relevant to an Alabama podcast is because we play USC game one in Dallas. The good news is we've are Nick Saban who thinks of everything, um, including black holes and time travel has decided that, okay, if this didn't work out, we'll pick somebody else. And you know what? It just so happens TCU would be playing Cal, and that game wouldn't work out. So maybe we could play TCU, who's already in the Fort Worth area, and all is made for love. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, it it just goes to – see, this is to me why that story in one way is a positive. I think it just kind of confirms what, what, what my assumption has been all along, which is, look, we have a plan A. Everybody is into plan A, including USC and the Pac-12. Everybody's into plan A. Plan A is we're going to start fall camp about two weeks early and we're going to have games with or without fans. And, and, and that's, what, that's what the plan is. That's what we're going to do until we know it is impossible. Now, we may find out it's impossible to do that. And if it is impossible then everybody needs to be making contingency plans and not just one, not just two, but like 20. Okay. If that doesn't work, we'll do this. If that doesn't work, we'll do this. And it's probably not all set in stone in terms of what those contingency plans are or what even the order of them is. But the fact of the matter is just as Greg Burns said, you can take him at face value. We're planning on playing USC. USC's athletic director last night tweeted, we're planning on playing Alabama in that first week. Nothing has changed here yet meaning that, hey, it might change. It might change. And because it might change, Alabama says, all right, well, here's one of our contingency plans. <laughs> We're going to play TCU if we can't play USC. And, and, and who knows if any of it will happen. You know, we might play football in the spring. We might not play football at all. I mean, we don't know. And there's this rush to know that's really making everything more complicated. I mean, they're, they're, everybody wants to know now. Well, no one knows. It's just impossible. We just need to take it day by day. And like I've said all along, hey, I'm planning on, uh, I'm looking forward to this season until I'm told there won't be one. And I've not been told that yet. So I'm still looking forward to it, whether we play USC or TCU in the opener. My feeling is it's going to be USC and, and we'll never get to TCU. I think, I think Luke, what, also has happened is people hear the first story and then they never let go of it. And the first story was, look, we're not going to have college football if the students aren't on campus. That's what we heard a month or two ago from like the president of the NCA or some big wigs. That's what we heard. And we stuck with that. Well, that's changed. It's changed because of the economic reality. And the economic reality is these schools can't really function without football even if they have to do things that look bad or that look like 
maybe even borderline unethical. The fact of the matter is these schools desperately need this football money in this economic crisis. So they'll find a way. People, when it comes down to money, people tend to sort of shed a lot of what they well, shed a lot of their ethics, frankly, and, and they go back on what they said. And I've never doubted that for a second. These schools are, are going to take every effort they can to put a football team on the field this fall because they can't live without that money. So that's just the reality of it. So why are, why are people going, wanting to go back to work and get back to normal life so they can start feeding their families and, and pay bills? Even if it even if it means maybe getting sick, and and people need to do it anyway because they they got to feed their families. So it's it's that exact reason that I still think there's a good chance we'll see some version of football this fall. It, it's too much money to walk away from. No, I think that's a good point. First of all, though, I would say the USC athletic director seemed to tweet that our plan is to still play Alabama in the Cotton Bowl with the same level of confidence that I'm sure you believe Ariana Grande is surely, I still plan on her answering my fan mail. I mean, <laughs> you can, you could, we seem to be sort of like, yeah, we're planning on that shit. But when you know what I mean, wink, wink. I mean, because that's what it feels like coming from the California side of things, but that's, you know what? I'm, I don't care if it's USC or TCU, frankly, TCU is probably a better opponent. Um, now, USC's probably got more NFL talent on it, but Zach Evans, the Ballyhooed running back uh, five-star who was mm, a little much maligned, he is signed with TCU. I think it'd be kind of cool to face him. Um, so, I mean, I could – and and it's kind of cool to face TCU knowing that they're right there in Dallas and assuming there are fans in the stadium, they could have a mild fan advantage, which if it's USC Alabama, there is no doubt who will have the advantage, and it ain't USC. So um, I think that it could make for a, a much better game. But um, I want to get more into this in a second, Jimmy. Let's go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, we'll talk about this and some other stuff. All right, so, Jimmy, that's, that was a question that uh, was asked on our Sports Blitz program last night was, what do you think – what are the chances Alabama plays USC and Auburn plays mm-hmm. North Carolina? And I said, well, the chances Auburn and North Carolina play, I would put it like 95%. I mean, because first of all, they're both in the South. They're in two conferences that are that really, really depend on football. Now, these other conferences depend on football. The SEC and the ACC really, really depend on it. So I feel like that game's going to happen. Um, and it's in Atlanta. So it's not a, involving a California team that's got to fly halfway across the country. Uh, but the, the Alabama game, I, you know, I don't know if that game's going to happen or not. I believe Alabama's going to play some damn body. Um, and if it's in Dallas, so be it. If it's not, if Dallas says we're shutting down too, Alabama's going to find somebody to play in Tuscaloosa then. Don't you think? Well, well, yeah, yes, I, I, I agree. I, I'll just go further, further expound on and say just my own personal opinion is I, I, this is just what I believe. This could be very wrong. I'm wrong all the time. I ask my wife. She'll gladly tell you all how wrong I am all the time. But I am wrong all the time. But this is what I feel. I I feel like everyone that plays college football will be playing this fall or no one will. I do not believe a conference is going to sit out. I I, I don't believe that unless they are made to. And and, and even that is, is kind of a stretch for me. And this is why. 
if if the ACC, SEC, Big Ten, and Big Twelve all play, and the Pac-12 doesn't, the Pac-12 is dead. They just went SMU. SMU didn't play football for one season. They were ordered not to play for one season, and it destroyed their program for 25 years. They were one of the most powerful programs in college football, and they were dead for two decades because they took a year off. They even had to self-impose another death penalty year just to rebuild it. Um, If the Pac-12 announces June 1st, we're not playing, and everyone else is, every good player in the Pac-12 is transferring. Every every one, every Pac-12 player that wants to play in the NFL, and by the way, that's 75% of their league, they're transferring or they're trying like hell to transfer. Then no one will sign with them that's, that has options outside of the Pac-12. It would, it would destroy their league. It's not like taking a year off and then everything's back to normal next year. It won't be like that at all. So for that reason alone, I think – if, 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 if the SEC is playing college football, all these other conferences are, then the Pac-12 is too. And would there ultimately be a fight between the governor and the presidents of the schools? Maybe. I, and, and I know their situation's different out there, but I can tell you who wins between a fight between Nick Saban and the governor in Alabama. You know, I, I know how that works here. So I feel like the answer is supposed to be Kay Ivey, but I don't think that's who would win. <laughs> that's right. So I, I think everyone's going to play or, or no one will. And for all those, and, and again, yesterday, California State Schools, which does not include, by the way, USC and UCLA and Cal and Stanford, you know, the big FBS schools in California aren't part of that system. And, and then on the same day, Arizona says, oh, by the way, starting Friday, all you pro sports teams, y'all can go ahead and start playing. That, you know, that that me. That and that's a neighboring weird. state. It's a neighboring state that is home to two Pac-12 teams. So, and I can, but I disagree with you, Jimmy. I think that, that some conferences may go on and play. And But you're right, the Pac-12 may – see, I – and maybe I'm taking this too far, but this seems like a very Pac-12 thing to do. Like we're going to stand on this moral high ground, and we're going to we're going to is safety first, everybody. Well, first of all, let, let's talk about this. I don't think any of us, and I'm I'm going from Dr. Fauci on down to little old me. I don't think we have our heads wrapped around all this yet, anyway, in in a negative or positive way, correctly. Um, you know, I'm listening to Fauci speak and I've been sort of digging him. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to get on a, a rant about Dr. Fauci, uh, but it does seem like of late the last couple of days, it's felt less like he's telling us facts and more that he's fear mongering to me. Now, I'm not trying to say a Republican Democrat thing here. I'm just saying that's what it's felt like. And meanwhile, because my eyes are telling me Hey, I'm looking around here and a lot of people are going back to work. I went to lunch yesterday and I, you know, um, I'm seeing a lot of people getting their hair cut and I'm doing, I'm going into Walmart and and I'm seeing people wearing masks, but they're not wearing them right. I mean, they got them on top of their head. They got them behind their head. They got them, you know, up their nose. They got them, you know, not covering anything. And, and I'm thinking, yeah, okay. Ellick city, just my little community, which is not a great sample size for the country. I admit. But we've had a lot of issues with our veterans home, but that's been for all the veterans homes have had problems because number one, a lot of the people that are there already have issues. And so they're very susceptible to this stuff. I think the coronavirus is much more contagious and much more pre- prevalent than we know it is. 
But by if I know that, then I also have to admit it's probably less deadly than we think it is. And of course, I don't want anybody to ever die from it, ever. But you know, there, there's there's the Darwin Awards every year. Somebody will die because they stuck their hand in a, the gorilla cage at the zoo. You, you know, this, somebody's gonna die of all things every time, all the time. So you have to accept that as part of life. My point is that I think the percentage of death is less than we think it is, not more, but I think more of us have it than we know. So I guess what I'm trying to say is California is being way over over the top protective. And I guess I feel a little guilty in saying that because anybody who wants to take defend their stance will say, well, we're just trying to, you don't care about human life. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying life comes with a risk. And so I think it's silly for the California State University to say in the middle of May, we're not having in-person classes until 2021, when they know that announcing something like that perks everybody's ears up to the point of, do y'all know something we don't know? And I think the answer is no, they don't know something we don't know. They're just scared of what they don't know, which is also dangerous. Does any of that make sense? <laughs> All of the individual sentences make sense. <laughs> but my point is <clears throat> that you know, I think it's Barrett Salee tweeted out, it's insanity what California State yeah. University is doing. I agree with him. I, I wouldn't say it's insanity. I know he's being hyperbolic for the sake of Twitter. <clears throat> But I think it's a look. I'd be like, yeah, hold up, guys. Let's get to June. I yeah, it's too soon. It was too just too soon. To do something like this. Yeah, I'm not and saying it, it's wrong. It just is just too soon. And but it's also too, too soon for Arizona to say, hey, everybody free willy nilly. You know, the gates are open, <laughs> you know, but it is weird to me that California is a, is a state and specifically, uh, you know, the, the San Francisco area is a state where it's. And, and I know people joke about this, but it's true. You can you defecate in the streets. You can literally ride a bike naked and nobody's going to do shit. You can leave syringes anywhere, but they, but they are going to shut down football for things they are not 100% sure of. They're not 50% sure of. They're not 10% sure of because nobody is. We don't know. There are diseases that the, they're, they're after effects or side effects or some kind of effects that children in New York are having. They're like, is this part of Corona? Well, shit, we don't know yet. We don't know anything. So my point is we either need to all as a country decide, let's just shut the whole damn thing down. Nobody leave your house. Everybody eat, eat your, your, your weakest family member, whatever you got to do to survive for now. Or let's say, Hey, let's slowly come out of this shell and, and, and see. And if, if there's a huge spike and we realize what a mistake this is, we can go back in. But we have to get on with life sometime. And so I think it's pretty dangerous for California State to say, we're not doing in-person class to 2021. I, I just feel like that sets off an alarm that's rather unnecessary for them to make that announcement. Yeah, some of this, uh, you know, when you go uh, and, and you major in political science like I did and you go to law school, uh, very, very rarely in our normal everyday lives does this uh, juxtaposition confront us but what what i think ultimately we're confronted with because of what we hear from the west coast and what we what we we feel here in the south is different we're, we're finally confronted with our system of of government our two-tiered system of government is, is a problem when there's a national crisis and that being is 
federal versus state, are we one country with one policy or are we 50 states and it's fine if all 50 do things differently? Well, and good. most of the time we manage to make that work. Most of the time we've got a system in place where it all sorts of sort, it works. I'm not sure in a crisis like this, which is what we're all dealing with for the first time in our lives, there, these previous pandemics people have talked about, whether it was the swan flu or the 1968 Hong Kong flu, they were dramatically different because we know the mortality rate from those incidences were 0.1 of 1%. That was the mortality rate. That means that it, while lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people got infected, only 1% of 1% died. So we're dealing with something much different this time around than those things because the mortality rate is certainly higher. We don't even know exactly what it is. We just know that it's higher. Now, I think, you know, whether the Pac-12 plays, whether the SEC does, it, it all gets back to what I was just saying. I mean, are we one country with one policy or are we 50 states that are going to do things 50 different ways? And it creates a lot of argument. It creates a lot of this state is right, the state is wrong. But I don't know any of the answers to that because I just think it's complicated. Then sides get dug in and then there's misinformation and then there's two different ways to read the same information and then there's opinions and everyone's going to have a different one so and we're programmed to hate the other side now you are either red or blue you're alabama or auburn you're you know you're florida or florida state you, you, you nobody likes to say here's the thing a lot of people have jumped trump and and there're plenty of reasons to jump dump, jump on donald trump there's no doubt but a lot of people have jumped on him because he's he's come out a few times and essentially proclaimed victory over this thing, which is a little nutty. But at the same time, yesterday, I saw a, a video that Elizabeth Warren put out there. I watched her do this. She was like, Donald Trump just needs to come out and admit to the country that we were totally unprepared, misinformed, and, and uh, he has screwed this up from the start and people are dying because of it. And my thought was, even if you believe that, Tell me how the president of the United States coming out and panicking like that is good. Tell me why a politician would go, I want my president to come out and say, I'm a total nincompoop and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. How did y'all vote me in? I'm borderline not able to drive a car. Would y'all please get me out of office? How is that helpful? And my again, my point being that there is a middle ground nobody ever wants to get in, get in and see. Uh, if you after Barrett Salee's tweet where he said it's insanity, which it was a little over the top, some people came back. Well, why don't you use some critical thinking, man? But, you know, we're trying to save lives. Well, Barrett Salee's not saying lives be damned. Uh, you know, everybody on deck for my football pleasure. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it's let's I mean. If we really want to be like this, let's just all wrap ourselves in bubble wrap and, and have our groceries delivered by robots <laughs> and nobody go to work. I mean, I kind of like that idea. It's pretty cool. That, that sounds I'm telling cool you, I patent pending. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm fall for a sensible approach. I mean, I know both sides have dug in and, and one side's smart and the other sides are idiots and it doesn't matter which side you're on. That's just kind of the, the, the way it is now. And, uh, I think it's a real shame. Uh, be sure everyone that listens to ask yourself, 
you know, make up your own, your own opinion. Don't, don't wait and hear what your party's opinion is before having your own. You know, so, oh, oh, which side am I supposed to be on? Oh, okay. Now the other side's stupid because I believe this. <laughs> I mean, that's a real shame. You know, I've joked about, you know, if Trump, if Trump in January, before any of us knew this was going to be a, a global pandemic, although he now says he knew it was a pandemic before everyone else did, Let's say that, if, that, that he said that, and it's really true. You know, this is the shame of, of our country, no matter what side you're on. If Trump had locked everything down in January, a full six or seven weeks before we shut down, if he'd have been the first to shut down and we had like an Italian total shutdown, and, and, and then all over the world, the U.S. death rate was very, very low compared to other countries because we had the earliest and strictest lockdown that was still going on right now, what would happen is all of the Trump side would be saying, we have the smartest, best guy. He kept everyone alive. We have the lowest death rate in the world. He did it before anyone else. And it would be the Democrats saying, the shutdown is killing us. We yeah. gotta open it back up. Trump's an idiot. That's the real shame of it. It's not, it, it, it's only, you know, what he does is right or wrong. And then it kind of, you know, that, that sets the tone for, for what both sides are going to believe instead of having our own opinions that's, about that's, things. And it does show you how divisive everything is when yeah. we literally cannot come together during a pandemic. Like the virus <laughs> doesn't give a shit who you voted for. No. <laughs> let's, no. Let, let's go to break. And I just thought of something else because I'm watching TV on mute as, as we're talking. So let's go to break. And then uh, I, I want to bring up something. So, Jimmy, uh, um, another thing that's that's big throughout uh, the sports world right now is the last dance, the Jordan documentary, which has been mm -hmm. phenomenal. Awesome. And uh, just Ron Russillo tweeted out, uh, former ESPN personality tweeted out that, um, hey, exactly when am I supposed to start disliking Jordan? Because, you know, that was Jordan's fear was that, oh, my God, people are going to see this and look at me as a tyrant and and just a win-at-all cost, you know, jackass. And I have fallen in love with Jordan more than ever. And the reason is Jordan is – Jordan was and probably still is what we fans think all of our favorite players are, when, meaning we think that all of our favorite players live, breathe, die, cry, jump jump for joy, work out all the time, uh, all around their sport, because that's what we want them to do, because we feel like we're living vicariously through y'all, so y'all need to be putting in all your efforts to make sure we feel good for somewhere between three and three and a half hours every Saturday. And Jordan was the epitome of that. Now, he partied, and he, you know, he, he did some other shit, gambled, obviously, but for the most part, his life was basketball and beating your ass. That's what he cared about. Beating your ass. Playing cards, I'm going to beat your ass. Play, I'm going to play pitch at the crack. They had video of him playing pitch at the crack with the security guard. And, he, and he's like, let's go again, double or nothing. You son of a bitch. And the good news about Jordan is he could keep going double or nothing until he won, and then you're screwed, you know. Um, <laughs> but what's funny about all this pandemic stuff and I guess next week he'll talk about it. Jordan played while 100%, no doubt, having the flu 
We all knew he had the flu. Everybody knew he had the flu. The other team knew he had the flu. And everybody expected him to play and cheered him for playing. And the other team didn't walk off the court. Now, coronavirus, worse than the flu. I get it. That being said, the flu can still be deadly and the flu can still be a mofo if you get it the right way. I'm not a doctor, obviously, so I don't know what the right way of getting the flu is. I'm just saying that if you tell me that somebody at the Lifetime Fitness has the flu and is about to play in a game I'm about to play in, I'm going to be like, no, thanks, Um, because I don't want the flu. If you tell me they've got the sniffles, I'm probably going to be like, eh, you know, I'll sit this one out. But we knew Michael Jordan had the flu. He was obviously sick, and he played. And now we're saying we don't want anybody within six feet of one another. Again, it's not apples to apples. I get it. I'm just saying it's kind of funny that we're watching this documentary, and we're all about to worship at the shrine of Michael Jordan and also um, totally buy into the fact that he played with a pretty deadly illness And we're all just totally okay with that. But now I can't get my hair cut. (laughs) Is that true? I mean, am I way off here? There's a lot of truthisms in there, although I got my hair cut this morning. But, but yeah. I'm going to let you rant here because I talked a while, but I got to say this about my haircut. And I I really have. I've always wondered what my hair would look like if I let it grow. I have a very thick, lush full head of hair i'm not trevor lawrence yeah it's lush man i'm not (laughs) jungle-esque i'm not trevor lawrence where it gets long and pretty and like you just want to like run your fingers through it and you can you'd be like (laughs) man it'd be so great if you were a woman um uh, it's not like that it's it's i'm glad it's not like that no, it's thick, and I was on the uh, skag mower that I use around the house because I've got a, like another lot that I mow, and um, like shit's getting in there and it's getting stuck. And when I take a shower, like even if I've been in the shower for like five or ten minutes, you know, I'm still washing my hair, and like a freaking kookaburra falls out. I'm like, how that get? Where where was that? I mean, I've been scrubbing my whole head. Where did that come from? And um, but what I've determined is because I haven't had a haircut in about three months now. And people have always said I look kind of like Elvis. Like I can I fluctuate oh, nice. between young, good-looking Elvis and then the one that died on the toilet. I sort of fluctuate, but uh, depending on the haircut. But now I've determined that if I pick my hair up, like in the front, like if I take my right hand and pull my hair back and then let it go, I look like Mel Kuyper because he's got sort of hey. like the, the little widow's peak looking thing. I know? like him more than Elvis myself. Yeah. And I also looked in the mirror today. Um, I, I was, uh, I was washing my hands just like a good boy. And I looked in the mirror at the office and I said, holy shit, I look like Richard Marks. <laughs> I mean, and I did, I have shit coming out the back, you know, it's not a mullet, but it's like, there's something back there that you can see. And normally I've got it sort of a high and tight, you know, you can set your watch by my haircut. And, um, and now like, I'm just, I'm practically a grateful dead groupie. Well, it sounds to me like you're a matinee idol, whether it's Elvis. Richard Marks did well with the ladies during the height of his his popularity, which was thankfully brief. But I look I look younger but less successful. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this haircut screams. Well, you're younger than you you're older than you look, but you don't have very much money. Well, wherever you go, 
whatever you do, you know I'll be right here waiting for you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, well, I like the other one. What's the um, uh, endless summer? Because it endless summer nights. And uh, he did a lot of because it don't mean nothing. Because it don't mean nothing. Don't mean oh, don't mean nothing was I loved it. <laughs> I met okay. a girl. That was when we were in college. I met a girl. Oh, I, I know who it is now. I'm not going to say I was trying Who did I mean? I met a girl that went on the bus, on his bus with him after the show. Oh, wow. For a tour. She, she, she denied. She denied shenanigans, but there was some level of shenanigans going on. Not with her, she says. But well, interesting. Okay. So, well, all right. Finish up with what, uh, what else you were going to go here. Because we got off on a Richard Marks tangent, which is not where I thought this was going to go. <laughs> well, it's 86 days. We'll, we'll do football real quick. It's 86 days until our faux start of fall camp. Well, 86 days from the traditional start of fall camp at Alabama. And number 86 is Carl Tucker. A few things about Carl. Uh, he was a three-star, but most of the services had him among the top 20 tight end prospects in the country. He went to North Carolina and did not redshirt. He has started a bunch of games. He has actually started and played in as many games as Miller Forrestall. So he is a he is a highly experienced player. He's caught almost 600 yards worth of balls in his career, which is again more than Miller Forrestall. He has four touchdowns. Uh, he would have just finished his career at North Carolina, not transferred, but after four games during his junior year, he was injured and had to miss the rest of the year. Thus, the medical red shirt, which is why he had a fifth year of eligibility, which is why he's at Alabama. Um, I think he's going to come in and basically be a starting tight end alongside Miller. And while it's not as cool of a situation as when we had O.J. Howard or Irv Smith, you know, who were NFL freaks and high draft picks, uh, I think when you don't have a high NFL draft pick, the next best situation is to have experience, to have multiple good players. So Miller can be a matchup for us at the H spot. Pearl Tucker can play the more traditional Y spot. Uh, and then we have decent depth behind them in, in Major Tennyson and Julio Billingsley. So I think we have a good situation at tight end. No, it's not perfect. Of course, we'd rather have an O.J. Howard. But when you can't have that, we have the next best situation where there's multiple good players you can mix and match based on down and distance and opponent. And I think Carl Tucker and Miller Forstall will be positive assets for us this year, particularly as I believe – we're going to try to run the ball a little more, be a little more physical, take advantage of that big back Najee Harris uh, with Najee in the backfield and experienced guys like Carl Tucker and Miller Forstall blocking for him on the edge. Uh, I think it's just going to combine to make Najee an even bigger threat and uh, just looking forward to the season, hopefully hopefully getting started in, in 86 days. That's We will just hope it into existence. That's what we're going to have to do. And meanwhile, while you're waiting on the season to come around, go check out Nico Sports, N-I-K-C-O Sports.com, N-I-K-C-O Sports.com. That Tua Tungo Vailoa football isn't going to buy itself. And for $99, you can't afford not to have it. Um, it's fully embossed, got all his accolades, all the information about his stats and records and all that cool stuff. So Tua Tungo Vailoa football, look, you will buy anything from Tua Tungo Vailoa. That's, that's what you do as Alabama people. So go do it. Quit listening to me. And go check out a Tua Tungvalu football at Nico Sports and IKCO Sports.com. And while you're doing that, while you're sitting there on that very quick and easy checkout process, have a built bar. Satiate that hunger, 
It's awesome. Jimmy and I have tried them. We promise. Jimmy, I've got a mild work emergency, so I got to run. But we will say roll tide right here. Roll tide.